the first time it hit me, I spent, oh man, like four months producing this album, right? This, this like seven track EP, it's like acoustic song and like, like dashboard confessional type music, you know, I listen to some of it now, I'm like, oh God, <laughs> but, and, and, and so, you know, I recorded it, I, I wrote it, I edited it, I mastered it, I, I, you know, got hard copies sent to me and I went all over Boston. I dropped it off at every radio station and every club and every bar and not one person got back and that was the first I'm like what do you mean how that something's wrong like there's a disconnect I just spent four months doing this like something's gotta happen right and someone's gonna say yes and the reality is like how could that ever be like how could it ever be good if it's your first one it can't that's just not a possibility but that hadn't dawned on me and so that was really the first time it was like look you can give a lot of effort you can put all of yourself into something and it not be good enough. And that's not, you know, a referendum on you as a person. It doesn't mean you suck. It, it just means you haven't spent or invested as, as much into this craft as you need to. And the world will tell you no. It will tell you no repeatedly until you earn the value or, or earn what you deserve, right? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? What do you want to do with your life? Understandably, a tough question for any 20-something to answer. So join me, your host, Taylor Marks of the Rise Year Podcast, as I talk with some cool people about what they do and occasionally go on long rants of my own about the pains of growing up. Today's guest is Eddie Pinero, founder of Your World Within, where they create videos and audio content to tell stories and inspire and motivate people to achieve their dreams, get out of ruts, and live a life that they are proud of. I live in South Florida, and I am a, uh, a creator. And so what I've been doing for the past seven years now, it's been an incredible experience, incredible journey, is really storytelling and speech writing online. So I created a platform called Your World Within, where basically I talk about the trials and tribulations of life. So it's interesting, like there's, regardless of what we're doing, whether we're entrepreneurs or creators or athletes or teachers or parents, it's like maybe the context is different, but we experience a lot of the same obstacles. And so in different ways, I like talking about that and, and, and sharing that with the world. I think a slight change in perspective can really go a long way and help people see things that maybe they didn't look at or didn't understand you know, previously. So that's kind of what it's been about, taking those experiences and turning them into an art form. And it's been a fun journey and it's been you know, it's, it's, it's evolved and changed and will continue to change. But I really enjoy sharing that stuff with my audience and, and anyone who will listen. Yeah, no, I love your content. I think I first randomly stumbled upon it on, on YouTube as the algorithm does its thing and then kind of progressively just kind of stayed and kept continuing watching the videos. And so one thing that I want to ask is how did you kind of get into this whole creator mindset and putting these videos out there? Well, what's interesting is 
I learned what I didn't want before I understood what I wanted. That was sort of step one, you know, and, and I, you know, I was grateful for what I had and I had a very fortunate existence. So like, don't, don't get me wrong, but it was like, not a lot of thought went into what I was doing. You know, it was like, you get good grades in high school to go to college, to do well in college, to get a good job. And, you know, I had a quote unquote good job, but you know, you can't help looking around and feeling like this is not, you know, this isn't doing it for me. I, I want to add value to the world. There's like that intersection of what you love to do and what, what adds value. And that's where there's fireworks. And I just wasn't seeing that. And so I stepped out and, and it was hard. I mean, it, it was, it was a, a really, really, really challenging experience, but ultimately left that job in the, in the corporate environment and started like writing music, playing acoustic shows around Boston. I was producing local artists. I was writing blogs. I was taking out my camera and making videos, just like truly exploring and trying things and, you know, kind of moving towards the things I liked and away from the things I didn't. And I, it got challenging because as you can imagine, like anyone who does that, that the consistency of the income, right? Money, it's nice, regardless of whether you like your job or not. It's nice to know that that check's coming in every other Friday or whatever it is, you know? And when that stopped, it got challenging. And so I wrote this speech and made a little video called Ode to Excellence. Kind of like, Eddie, for once, put your back against the wall and see what happens if you take a risk. Like, because I, I didn't think I would let myself fail. But I didn't know because I'd never had the courage to make that decision. And that was kind of what it was about. It was like, don't go back. Don't take the easy road. Stick this out. See what happens. And it ended up being the best decision of my life. And the, and the speech blew up. I mean, it, comparatively, right? It did better than any, any uh, song I've ever released. And it was like, there's something here. Like, I can, I can take the elements here that I love and, and find a way to make a business out of them. And it'll be interesting and it'll be unique and it'll, you know, stretch me further than I've ever been stretched, but there's a way and that's exactly, uh, exactly what's happened. So how did you, what was your thought process for writing that speech? Cause you like, you had the musical influences in your background. So I presume that kind of helped, but were you drawing on any other resources or what was like the main, the main kind of background with that? Yeah. Well, I like sort of, so basically, you know, music is emotional. And human beings are emotional. We're not rational. Like you can give a list, hand someone a paper with a list of things they need to do. And it like, eh. but if you emotionally move them, there's just a different, you know, some, something different goes off. Right. And so that's what I wanted to create and capture. And it's like, you know, you can look at an Apple commercial as the, the um, metaphor I use all the time. It's like, you know, they're selling an iPhone, but the commercial is not, here's an iPhone. It's people dancing around in the street and it's this beautiful piece of art and you want to cry when you're done and you're like, what just happened? This is a, this is a, you know, it's an electronic device. And so that's what I wanted to do. Make like little mini like Apple commercials, like really move people. And yeah, that's always been sort of my North star. Did it come easy to you to write the speech and then like, does it continue to come easier? Or how do you break down, you're going to make X video on motivation and then like, these are all the parts that are going to go into it. Well, that's what's cool. It's like when you poke around long enough, you find something that you're good at. And I don't know if it's because I'm good at it that I love it so much or because I love it so much. Like, I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg, you know, but I, that's where my strength is. It's speech writing and it's speaking and that stuff 
I just have a knack for it. And, and, you know, that's why I decided I'm going to invest the last seven years in working really hard and being really good at it. I'm like, I want to be the 1% at this. And so that's been my goal and my driver and what, what drives me. Yeah. So that's kind of what it was. So it was writing speeches and, and, you know, for a while I composed the background music myself. You know, I, I didn't want to let go of that piece yet. And, and so I spent, I don't know, maybe two years doing that. And then it just got to the point where it's like, okay, when you want to take the next step, if you want to scale this thing, if you want to reach more people, you're going to have to license the music. You're going to have to, because you can't spend three days a week composing background music. It doesn't make sense. So that was a shift I made, but the goal is always like the end product. A speech that talks about something I've lived or experienced or something that helped me that I think will help others. You know, you turn it into a powerful message and deliver it in a way that's meaningful. Have you ever placed yourself in a situation because you want to, situation or experience, because you want to kind of produce a certain video that maybe you don't have any background knowledge on yet? I think one thing I've learned is like, and I would say this started when, when you know, this sort of career path started, is like you learn to repeatedly embrace the difficult thing and see beauty and value in what what sucks <laughs> like i wrote i wrote a speech about it called running in the rain that's like kind of the framework for everything i've done like the best things in my life happen to me when i position myself in an extremely uncomfortable situation and so what i found again and again and again and actually did a tedx talk on this like leaving boston was one of the hardest things i've ever ever done but i knew for the sake of my project and my passion, what I wanted to do, I have to leave. And I did and ended up being an amazing move. And you just sort of see it. The idea of it, it, without giving you, you know, my life story, the idea of running in the rain is like, you know, I woke up one morning in Boston and, you know, I ran before work and I opened the door and it was like this frozen slushy rain, like just the least ideal conditions. And so I'm standing there looking out and I'm just like, do I really want to do this? You know, because it makes just as much sense to, you know, run at a different point during the day. Who cares, right? You're getting a workout in. But for some reason, like, I, I did. I went in, I grabbed the beanie and, like, you know, a ring, whatever it is. I forget what it's called, a windbreaker. And uh, I went out there and I ran. And it was uncomfortable, especially at the beginning. But then you realize you come back and, you know, it sort of settles in. And it's like, that wasn't that bad. And not only that, I did something that, let's be real, not a lot of people would do. Most people would say no. And, and move on to the slightly easier thing. And that rule in and of itself has transformed my life in a lot of different ways. Like when you say yes to the things that most people go, eh, no, thank you. A lot of doors really do open up. Were you born like that? Like, have you always been like that? Or is that something that you progressively learned over the years? Yeah, I think it's something I grew into, you know? I mean, there are elements of it. Like I always, I use running as a metaphor because there's so much suffering involved in running. And I think there's a correlation. Like I've always in running been able to embrace suffering in a way that I'm not sure a lot of people do. I don't know. I'd, but there, there were like little pieces of it, but I never, I guess all the dots connected at that point where it's like, if you want the good stuff, you have to do the difficult thing. If you don't want to do the difficult thing, that's fine. No one's going to be on your ass. No one's going to scream at you. Like the world's not going to collapse. You're just not going to get the good thing. And it's a trade-off that I, I realized I want to make in life. And so, yeah, that's kind of uh, how it evolved. But to answer your question, it wasn't, yeah, like I can't picture myself in fifth grade or, you know, a freshman in high school, like constantly 
saying, all right, Eddie, let's go do the, the, the crazy thing. Now. No, I mean, I, I did what I had to do to, you know, move on. But yeah, it was, it was an, I guess, a, a worldview that evolved over time. That's an interesting point. I think a lot of people kind of like you're raised in a certain way. And then once you get to adulthood and you figure out like what you ultimately want, like you have to figure out the means of how you're going to get there. And that's special if you're able to do it and in a way that is meaningful and true to you, but also is very difficult and a tough situation, which does correlate. So I was watching your video that you released in March where you were talking about what you wish you knew in your 20s. And there was this one yeah. quote I thought was super impactful and relatable about how you felt like you were owed something and you had this sense of entitlement. And it wasn't mm. until you entered the real world that like you just got slapped in the face by life and you were like, holy cow, like, I don't know what to do now. Like, it's not going to plan. Like, these things aren't just panning out and sitting right in front of me. So how did you kind of figure out how to overcome that and figure out how to get you to check these boxes and, and get to where you are now, basically. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, we come from an environment like my parents who, you know, work very, very hard, you know, and taught me to work hard, but they also, you know, they think very highly of me and, and that's helped me tremendously. But as I'll mention in a second, there's a, there's an inverse, there's a flip side to that. Right. And so, you know, I, I got good grades in, in high school. I worked hard enough to do that, to go to a good school. And, you know, I felt like, okay, well, that's, you know, I, I deserve something because of this. And I went to this, it's called a future leaders program, an insurance company, where you kind of like rotate through these different manager positions. And it's like, everything felt like no one ever sits you down because you have to like earn this. And life hadn't spelled that out for me yet. And so it wasn't until I left the corporate world, not really understanding how difficult it would be. You know, I, I always butcher this, but the, generally the quote is like, some of life's most incredible things were accomplished by people too ignorant to understand the odds, right? They just had no idea how difficult it would be or they wouldn't have done it. And so, you know, I, I didn't know. And so the first time it hit me, I spent, oh man, like four months producing this album right? This, this like seven track EP, it's like acoustic song and like, like dashboard confessional type music. You know, I listen to some of it now. I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> and, and, and so, you know, I recorded it. I, I wrote it. I edited it. I mastered it. I, I, you know, got hard copies sent to me and I went all over Boston. I dropped it off at every radio station and every club and every bar and not one person got back to me. And that was the first, I'm like, what do you mean? How, that something's wrong. Like there's a disconnect. I just spent four months doing this. Like something's got to happen, right? And someone's going to say yes. And the reality is like, how could that ever be the case? Like, how could it ever be good if it's your first one? It can't, that's just not a possibility. But that hadn't dawned on me. And so that was really the first time it was like, look, you can give a lot of effort. You can put all of yourself into something and it not be good enough. And that's not, you know, a referendum on you as a person doesn't mean you suck. It, it just means you haven't spent or invested as, as much into this craft as you need to. And the world will tell you no. And it will tell you no repeatedly until you earn the value or, or earn what you deserve, right? How much value are you giving out? And so that was pretty eye-opening. And so that video that you mentioned, you know, things I wish I knew in my 20s, that's really what it is. It's, it's you know, now there's a very 
there's an emphasis on I don't want to say entitlement, but but like it's easier to be the victim when things don't go right than it is to step in front of a mirror and say, "What can I do about this situation?" You know, one of my favorite things I heard Will Smith say is like, "You can't control what got you here, and we're not all dealt the same hand. And life is hard, and it's unfair, and it sucks. And the person next to you might have just it might have it better off. But the one thing we all can do and need to do." is decide where we go from here. And it hurts the youth. It takes away their power when they're taught to say, this, 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 and this is keeping me down. I'm shot because I'm X, Y, or Z. I don't have a chance because this, this, and this. It's like, it all starts with you deciding to improve things for yourself. It all starts at the individual level. And if you don't take, take that upon yourself to make some moves, it's going to be a world of hurt. It really is because the universe is not going to hand you any, and, and that's kind of the idea of, of that video. Kind of some tough love to my younger self, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, much needed, much needed. So two questions based off of that. The first is, how do you sift through these no's that you're getting to decide which ones are worth pursuing to get a yes? That's a lot to unpack. So, so when you say, how do you handle the no's, do you mean like, mentally when you're rejected like how do you overcome that or more so in the sense of like analyzing the no that you get and kind of realizing okay so maybe it's like i don't know in some industry that maybe doesn't match with like your your strengths and kind of realizing that in order to go in a direction that does cater towards you and, and getting no's and things that will be of benefit to you yeah, that's such a good question. I, I've asked that of, of different mentors of mine over in the course of however many years, again and again and again, because it's like nothing's black and white, right? But, so you got to understand there's gray area in life. But it's like, at what point is it I'm being rejected, but I got to keep going so that I can overcome this because it's par for the course versus maybe it's not the right path. Like maybe you pivot. And so, yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot of self-awareness there. You know, I mentioned this a few minutes ago, but I really do live by this. Like that intersection of what you're good at and what you love to do is when things really open up for you. And it's like, is there a natural, you know, is there a natural ability there? Like, for example, you know, math. I always did well in math. But it was like my hardest subject. I really had to bust my ass. And like my friend in, in some of those classes, and I remember them vividly, they had to do very little effort and, and, and they would just crush it. They'd do better. I just might, you know, I'm a writer. Like my brain doesn't really think that way. And if I dedicated everything I had in my life to being a, a mathematician, if that's a thing, but you get the point, like just, you know, into math, I'd probably be good, probably above average, but I would not be what they would be if they dedicated everything because they just have this, it, it, it's natural to them, you know, and you can use a bunch of different examples. Writing comes natural to me. I love it. And I know that sweet spot. If I go all in there, I can be great at it. So, and that's not to say, Hey, if you love math and you want to fight through that and, and, and do it by all means, do it. But I think again, like the, the, you, you really, have an opportunity to change things when those two two lines cross. So it's 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 really being truthful to yourself, you know, because you know, addressing your previous point, like anything in life, a value you're going to be told no. 
you're going to be told no again and again and again. My grandmother, you know, she always mentioned uh, John Grisham. Apparently he like, you know, he got denied by all these publishers and sold his books out of his car. And, you know, he's one of the, you know, the, the, the I think best-selling authors of today, right? So that's an example of a no that you just got to tough, tough it out and keep moving forward. But it, it is. It's self-awareness. It's how I put it. And then from that, well, so I was reading, I just finished a book by Scott Adams, actually, and he kind of talks about passion. So I'm just curious to know your perspective on it. And he says, he talks about like not chasing your passions and kind of that passions are kind of bullshit on the sense of them, like people trying to place them on this really high pedestal in order to like, if you, mm. have, you have to find a passion. So I guess my question with that is, do you think it's worth like, should you pursue a specific passion regardless of how it's going to turn out? Or, like, on the other hand, like, pursue something and kind of see what happens from it. Like, maybe you find your passion with less, you know, weight placed on it. Yeah. Well, I think the question is, what does it mean to you? You know, Ryan, Ryan Holiday put this in a way that, that truly impacted me. He said, you know, passion and purpose, they're, they're similar, but they're different. So passion is like, this blast of dopamine, right? So it's like getting excited about something. It's like you're starting a new podcast, okay? Let's just say. And you start it out, you get the equipment, you're, you're pumped up. It feels new. It feels exciting. You're, you're even looking at guests you want to have on. And, you know, when you do it for a month and it's fun. And then two months and the audience doesn't pop like you dreamed it would. And then it's three months and you're like, well, you know, I'm not, I'm not Joe Rogan. So I think I'm out, right? The, the dopamine kind of, you know, versus purpose, which is long-term purpose is understanding that you're going to have peaks and you're going to have valleys, but you understand it's longevity, right? It's, it's Brian Moran's Valley of despair. It's understanding that you're going to, even through the dark times, it allows you to push through because if all you're focused on is the passion, it's fleeting. You'll lose. You'll lose track of what matters. You'll lose track of what's important. You'll pack your bags and go home, right? If your goal is not to be great at what you do and it's just the end result, it's, it's, there's not a lot there, right? So that's kind of how I look at it. So passion, like you have to be excited in the morning. Like you have to, in my opinion, right? When you get out of bed, like there has to be this feeling in your stomach like I can change something today like the world is mine it's you know it's not an obligation it's a gift but also understand that it's a long play and there are ups and there are downs and so if you don't have that big picture at the end of the rainbow and uh, our end of the road and uh you're not excited about what you become along the way you know it's, it's uh, a fool's errand so have you created your world within to kind of fit those parameters of like what you need and to kind of also like evolve with you as you grow and age and figure out how you want to present yourself? Yeah. I mean, it's always been a, a long-term play for me and, and it has, the channel has, has greatly evolved as I've evolved. Yeah. It's like, you know, looking back, I didn't have, let's put it this way. When people say like, what, what does it look like five years from now? I don't always have an answer because I don't know where, I'll want to take it. Like I have a general idea and I know my mission and I know my value proposition, but how that manifests and materializes, I'm not really sure, but I'm willing to explore and I'm willing to continue pushing forward, you know? What was the toughest part about building the business? It was the hours and hours and hours of work without 
validation. You just, you feel like a crazy person. You know what I mean? Like if you work for, there have been times where I spend like a week and a half on this product project or video. And you know, you're like, this is amazing. This is game changing. And, and you float it out there. No one seems to care. And it's like, well, you got to move on to the next one, right? You got to depersonalize that. Like there was a time, there's another growth moment, right? There's, there's a time where I'd be like devastated by that. It means I suck. It means I'm not good. It means people don't want what I have. It's like, nope, it was a swing and a miss. That's all it was. Move on to the next one. Not only that, you probably learned something along the way, right? So that was really it. I, I think, you know, overcoming that, it, it does feel crazy. And it takes a long time. I mean, it took about two years of creating and writing until it was like truly sustainable for me. So yeah, you have to be willing to, to be in there for the long haul. And then perfection was a big one for me too. It's like perfect you know i'd be sending edits to my family and friends it's like what do you think what do you think what do you think matter again depersonalize it put it out move on to the next one you waste so much time you know worrying about that stuff you're a big fan of just like shipping it and see what happens and then being able to like reiterate once it's out there in the world to an extent yeah i mean because it's just i've i've had videos where you just draw on them and you tweak things and you tweak things i had a buddy of mine once i, I sent him a video and he's like, it's good. And then, you know, I made changes for like two days and I sent it back to him. I'm like, what do you think now? And he goes, like, I don't notice anything you did. And it's like, you know, you're so in it and it's so granular that most people don't even realize. And it's like, that's two days that you could have made a new video or written something else or, you know, like the list goes on and on and on. But yeah, hit a certain threshold send it and move on. And also through repetition, you get so good. You just get good at your craft. You get comfortable with your craft, comfortable with yourself. I spent, what was it? Maybe July to November this year, putting out about six videos a week. And algorithmically, it didn't do much for my channel, which is so interesting. Like it, it, the extra content didn't help the growth of the channel. But what it did was it helped me tremendously. Like I feel like I'm way better now than I was then just through the reps and forcing myself to be creative. You know, Pressfield, I think Stephen Pressfield has a book called The War of Art where he talks about sitting down and just writing. Even when you don't have anything to say, even when you're, you know, you don't feel inspired, it's like these are your hours to write every day. Do it. At this time, you sit down and you write. And you really learn that, you know, even those days where you feel out of it, you can really put together some, some great stuff. And so, yeah, it's like there, there's value in reps for sure. Was that a personal goal that you would set for the six videos a week? Or were you trying to kind of play and tinker with the algorithm to see if it would have an effect? That's exactly what it was, the second one. Because, you know, the channel is going pretty steadily. And it's like, what can I do to take this thing to the moon? Let's try things. Let's push, pull, you know, throw things against a wall. And that's what it was. It was like, let's try this method. Because usually I've been doing about one one production a week, sometimes every 10 days. And yeah, YouTube YouTube changes drastically and so that's another thing too you have to be cognizant of that and like so now you know the platform really values long-form content like 10 minutes plus and so those three minute videos that i've been putting out 2016 17 18 no longer fly on the platform how do you adjust because if you don't your stuff will get buried and so it's you know what i mean it's a constant a game of, of evolution why do they keep changing the algorithm I'm not sure. I mean, I understand the watch time thing. They want to keep people on their platform. You know, the longer your video holds them on YouTube, the better for them. So that may be it. But yeah, they're always 
always changing, uh, changing those algorithms. <laughs> Did you find that, like, were there any tips and tricks for starting on YouTube that were, like, helpful or things that maybe you didn't know that you learned later on that would be helpful for someone else? Yeah, so my answer to this, and here's the, here's the interesting thing. If someone said to me how I'm going to respond now, I would have been frustrated because the answers are so generic and they're like very obvious, but that's the point. It's like when you're starting, you get so sucked into the detail and you lose so much valuable time and energy focusing on stuff that just doesn't matter that, that I like to emphasize it. It's like one, do not worry about tech. I know that sounds insane, but there are focus on you know, your presentation, your storytelling, because even with an iPhone, if you're captivating, you'll go to the moon, period. And so, you know, don't worry about that. And, and then it's just consistency. It's not second guessing yourself, continuing to put out work. Again, depersonalizing the videos that don't do well and understanding that when something doesn't get clicked, it's not a referendum on you. It's just, it's the algorithm. It's, Maybe that video wasn't great. Maybe it's a learning opportunity, but keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. Long game, right? If you if you enter this platform, especially now where it's a little bit more convoluted, and you expect to have a successful channel in three months, you know you got a tough thing coming. So yeah, it's just reps, hang in there, be willing to learn, look at the people that do you know roughly what you want to do, learn from them, but don't duplicate what they do. Understand that your unique worldview is your value. So it's like a, a blend of what works and you, your authentic self. So I think those are probably the big ones. Do you think there's still a value in creating a channel on YouTube now, even though it is kind of over, it's not oversaturated, but there are a lot of just voices and videos and opinions out there right now. Yeah, yeah, 100%, 100%. If anything, if it's talking head stuff, it's practicing. I mean, it's speaking to a person versus speaking in front of a camera, like even doing what we're doing now, it's like, it's a different skill set. You, you have a lot to gain by doing it. It adds credibility. You know, if you, if you put out content that's good and, you know, associated with your work or your niche, it's incredibly valuable. It's also a resume in 2021, right? It's like when, when someone's doing something, what's the first thing you do? You go to their social. And so there's just, there's no downside. There's only upside. And it forces you to be better too. That's the beauty about kind of like a crowded space. You got to understand like 99.9% .9 of people are not willing to work hard enough to lift themselves out of the masses, right? And so it's an opportunity for you if you're willing to commit and, and the, the cost is worth it to you. It's all there, you know? One of my, my rowing coaches would say success sometimes is just hanging on when others would let go. And life truly is that in a lot of ways. It's like show up, make your videos. If it does well, great. If it doesn't, great. Learn, learn, make a next one, make a next one, make a next one, evolve, grow. Yeah, there's just, there's no downside. I think, so yeah, that's a very interesting point. And I think that something that it, what stops a lot of people and like, I mean, I'll be the first to admit like YouTube is a little scary on the one hand of like, you're putting your face out there. And so I think it's the mm. fear that comes with that rather than like with a podcast, like podcast is, is voices. You can put video up if you want. And I think it's like a totally different kind of, it's just like a different jump in a sense. And it feels more unnatural a little bit 
to yourself in that way. It does. It, it's more vulnerable. It is. But here's another thing that's like, it's, it's counterintuitive. You want just knowing human nature, like you want some level of quote unquote hate on YouTube. Like you need some negativity and it, it's, believe me, this is it's easier said than done. But like, if you look at even the greatest entertainment, like you take Justin Bieber, right? Some, for some reason, he's controversial. I don't know much about the guy. He makes music. I like some of it. Some people feel very strongly against Justin Bieber. And so you look at his comments and like, I don't know how many, but a lot of them are negative. He doesn't care. He's making his, making his music, sharing his gift, doing his thing. And it's like, that's been a benchmark of mine. It's like when, when I'm looking and my thumbs up ratio is 98, 99%, dude, you're staying in your small pond, right? You have to push that higher. You have to get out there more, which means naturally there's going to be people that land in front of them that go, screw this, like, grow. I don't want this, right? And that's just the nature of the beast. It doesn't matter what it is you're creating. So yeah, it's, it's more vulnerable, but that's the good stuff. And it's, believe me, like it took a long time to get there because you get Especially when you're insecure about something that you put out. It's like, oh, my face is in it. I'm not sure. Oh, well, I'll put it out. And someone's like, this is horrible. It's like, you know, it gets to you, but it doesn't mean anything. And ultimately, in the big picture, it's a good thing. And when you learn to embrace that, learn to trust yourself and your work, it's all, it's all par for the course, you know? Has that helped you producing YouTube videos and kind of just everything that your world within encompasses, which goes back to the YouTube channel. Has that helped you have your own voice and feel comfortable with both professional and like personal aspects of your life? So much, so much more. Yeah. It's, it's, I mean, they, they blend together for me, personal and professional just because uh, yeah, there's no, I don't even want to say there's a great, like all my friends are creators and it's like, <laughs> there's just everything sort of bleeds into one, but it helped me become a more confident speaker. It helped me trust myself. It helped me realize that I have value to add to the world and, and just feel like I was on a mission. You know, it's like how you view, I, I don't remember who said this, but it might've been Tony Robbins. Like you always follow through on how you view yourself. And if you view yourself as someone that works hard and wins and makes it happen, that's how you'll start acting, right? You'll, your actions will start carrying through that identity. And putting out 400 videos, I mean, that's shaped that sort of mindset for me. It's like when things go well, great. When they don't, great. You know, you have something to add to the world. And I think we all do. And I think, you know, finding it, for me, it was that period of time, you know, after the corporate world, when I was running around with a guitar and had no idea what I was doing, I was terrified out of my mind, right? I don't know what I'd do without that stretch. It was like the most important time of my life. And no one tells you that. And I don't blame anyone for that, but it's like just a reality of life. No one says, you know, things are going to be fine. Go explore for a year. It's like, no, look, like you have things to do. You have obligations, you have responsibilities, you know, you need to have a job, you need to have this, this, and this. But if I didn't, let myself explore, there's no way I'd be here. I would be exactly where I was most likely. And so everyone should find that. They should take time to understand what they like and where they want to commit. And, you know, we, we only live once. So if you can find that, make time to find that, you're going to be happier getting up every day. Preaching. Yes. No, that's, <laughs> that's good. At what point did you feel like 
you made, if you want to equate made it with your channel and with what you were doing? I still really don't feel like that. I, I, I remember like, like little benchmarks, you know, like hitting a hundred thousand subscribers in, in 2017 was a big one. The first time, like I've started making decent money from the ads and I was like, Oh my God, I can make a living from that. Like the light bulb went on. Cause you only need a little bit to realize that can grow. It's like, once you have a little bit, you realize, well, someday I could have a lot. Right. So it's like, that was really exciting for me, but it's just benchmarks along the way. You know, I, I guess I look at every creation as just the current moment and something that, you know, I'm sharing now and putting out now and, and hoping that it resonates now. So yeah, that's kind of how I look at it. So whether it is one of those moments or the, the TEDx talk was pretty exciting, you know, but they're milestones. That's, that's all they are. Do you have preset goals for the business that you want to do, or do you kind of assess each situation and what's happening and then figure out where to go? I have benchmarks, but you know, they're like, there are things that I want to do. Like I, I want to publish a book and um, I'm on my way that, that wheel started turning. Right? So my book proposal is done and I'm, I'm reaching out to a few folks about that. There are a few people that I want to share stage with someday, you know, things like that. But the, I think what, what adds the most value to me, what keeps me the most grounded too, is when we look at like social media, right? So people, people say like, Eddie, you have whatever, 250,000 on, on YouTube and it's a number and it like in a way it becomes like a credential, right? But those are people. And I think that's what, what social media, it, it can't just by the nature of what it is highlight, you know? And so when people send me these messages that are like, Hey, you know, whether it's a little thing or a big thing, like I was having a bad day, I listened to this and it helped me. Like it just makes it super real for me. And it just gives me this feeling that is, I can't beat it. Like I can't even, it, it's incredible. And so that is what I want to capture. That's what I want to continue to give back that value and, you know, hopefully change people's lives, help them see, see a little bit different, you know, as I, as I take my L's and learn from them and turn them into the wind, you know, I like talking about that and, and, and giving it back. So for, for storytelling in particular, because yeah. you're obviously a very good wow. storyteller doing what you do. Thank you. Did you grow up with an interest in writing and you just wrote a lot or like, how did you kind of develop that muscle? I would say it was undeveloped until I started doing this. I did, I did a lot of songwriting growing up, which there's, there's parallels there, you know, that I didn't even realize, you know, you're writing a song versus you're writing a speech versus you're writing a story. That's all it is. And I think that's one of the reasons I gravitate towards country music so much, which is, which is an interesting thing. There's no genre that better at storytelling in country, right? They can pack this, this epic journey into three minutes. That's so beautiful. It's very hard to simplify. And so in a way that's kind of particularly starting out, right? When, when, you know, the first couple of years of YouTube, we're talking three minute videos taught me to really take a narrative and, 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 and capture people's attention in a very short amount of time. And I think that's a skill set that's uh, been valuable for me. But it's just been, yeah, it, it, over the past decade, just been writing, 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 different formats, different ways, um, trying to get through. What's the power of a good story? Emotion. I think, you know, if you can capture someone emotively and, and help them not, not see but feel what needs to change. That's when, you know, we get inspired to get up and do this. You know, I used to have the, the, the test, like, 
you know, it, when I'm sharing something, like if I don't feel like I want to cry at the end of it, then it maybe missed the mark, right? There has to be something there that's like deep and personal and, and moving. Otherwise, you know, it's just words coming in one ear and out the other. What, what advice would you have for someone who wants to get better at storytelling? I think repetition, and by repetition, like a lot of repetition over and over and over and over again. Understand, you know, have an awareness of what type of storytelling you want to do. Like, I, I'm all for, like I said a few minutes ago, like truly understanding the people that you think are great, understanding why you think they're great, and then being able to take that and understand the components at work and inject yourself into it. There's a great book called Steal Like an Artist that talks about that. It's like nothing is 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 new, new, right? You're you're understanding what works, you're understanding the, the foundation and then you're building on top of it. And so that's a big thing. It's like really being able to break down the art and then but not not so much that it takes away the you know the fluidity and the unique pieces of it. So it's struggling those two things should be a skill that is probably taught a little bit more to kids in schools growing up. I know, right? I don't, I don't think, maybe a little bit in English, but like, yeah, I didn't learn much about that in school. We're not quite with like the powerful punch of like, almost like a sales pitch. Like how can you tell a story that's then going to get someone to do X, Y, or Z? Like you're taught like how to write something that maybe looks pretty or, you know, will get you an A, which that will not translate really once you get out of school. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The sales be like, it was 10 years ago. I had nothing but a shirt on my back. <laughs> exactly. Right there. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. Huh. All right. So my, my five final questions for you. The first of which is if you had a book written about you, what would the title of the book be? Oh, man. God, that's a great question. The Courage to Make a Difference. That came pretty quick. Did it? Oh, because it felt like a 45-second pause, so that's great to hear. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think, you know, making change is, is difficult. And, you know, one of the things that I, I, I'm most proud of is, is hanging in there, you know, through those difficult times to continue storytelling and, and, and doing what I'm doing and, and hopefully helping people. I like it. You're doing great so far, it seems. So the next one is, what was something that was deemed a failure either by yourself or externally that now looking back was like this huge pivotal moment for you? I would have to say that album distribution was probably the most important for me. It's funny because it almost feels like a cliche, you know, to be like, your failures become your strength. But it's like, definitionally, that was a failure, right? Like. None of them sold. Like my grandmother bought some, my parents bought some, a few friends bought some, but like that was a like it, it didn't do well. Okay, but at the same time, everything I have now is related to me looking back to that moment and saying, "Okay, keep moving anyway." And so without that, I don't I have what I have now. I'm not where I am now, and so. It, it really is one of the most valuable experiences of my life. And that's why when people say your losses become your gains, it's because they, they change the way you look at the world. What we most need in a lot of ways is what we're preconditioned to avoid or to run away from. And I think, you know, when we get our asses kicked and we fall down or something bad happens and we get back up and we, we learn to say, you know, that wasn't so bad. Like, I'm still here 
and still moving forward, that really empowers us. So overcoming like your own obstacles is basically like the biggest, the biggest and or like best thing someone could do. Yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big deal. If you had 24 hours to live, unlimited money, and could travel anywhere at the snap of your fingers and bring whoever you wanted with you, what would you do? Well, I haven't been to Australia, so I'd probably take my family to Australia. I think that'd be fun. Just puts For around. no rhyme or reason other than <laughs> I wanted to go. Yeah, yeah. Or, or New Zealand. Yeah, that, it's just, it's a uh, not a very convenient place to travel to. So that's always been like, you know, but I, yeah, I'd love to, love to go there and spend some time there. Yeah, you got to cut aside at least two or three days to get over there and like semi-recover and be a human being in order to like actually get do anything. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, have you, have you been there? Yeah, I flew to New Zealand, I guess two years ago, almost now. And I literally, my legs were like dead. The flight was like 15 hours. And on the way back, I didn't sleep at all. I was like, oh my gosh, please, no one talk to me. I'm going to like just punch someone in the face. <laughs> yeah, that, that sounds, sounds brutal. And then. And then you have to be there long enough for it to be worth it, right? Yeah. Well, my list. You'll get there. <laughs> the next one is would Eddie at 8, 10, 12, whatever age you want to pick, kind of in that range, would he be happy with where you are now and what you're doing? I think so. I think so. I think maybe in a lot of ways he wouldn't understand it, but I think he'd be happy with it. You know, Eddie at 8, 10, or 12 was, you know, pretty exploratory. So. Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, the, the I just I love the like the 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 breadth of this. Like, I like waking up and knowing that whatever happens is because I put X, Y, or Z into it. Like, I love that idea or that amount of control. Like, you could do nothing today. You could stay in bed, and again, the world wouldn't end. No one would even know. But you can get out. And you can, you know, do change things. You can create things. You can make things that impact people and change your life and change their lives. And like, there's just, there's, there's so much fun in that. And I think I put out a video, one of my first videos called Chasing Fireflies about like not losing that youth, that idea. You know, it was, I was, I was in Roanoke and I was watching these, these kids kind of chase fireflies with the jar. They're like running around in this park. And I'm like, you know, so much of us lose that. And, and it was another thing where it's like, you have to make sure that you don't, that you sort of keep that as your North star, because that ultimately, you know, it, it's everything. It determines your happiness. It determines like you can never be good at something if you don't love that thing. You're not going to be willing to sit through like we talked about those trials and tribulations. So, yeah, I think at the very least, he would say I'm still chasing those metaphorical fireflies. And that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. Chasing fireflies. There we go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> the last one is what do you want to accomplish either personally, professionally, and or both in the next six to 12 months? 12 months. I think uh, a book would be the biggest thing. That's, uh, I'm super excited about that. And it, it's funny, you know, when you've written 350, you know, short stories uh, to speak, right? Because when you write something to speak or audibly, it's very different than writing it on, to, to read on paper. So, you know, that'll be such a fun pivot, you know, to being able to story tell in that way. So that's my biggest thing. I'd love to have a book out and, and get it out to the master. Where can people find you? YouTube at uh, Eddie Panero, Your World Within on Instagram. Yeah, if you put in Your World Within, it'll it'll come up anywhere. But my primary, you know, my content is on 
YouTube. And then if you're more of a, like a, an audio person, I take all those audios and I put them on my podcast as well. So you'll roll with that on the podcast. My two takeaways from my conversation with Eddie are first, you won't make the first shot because you haven't put in the reps and learn the skill. But keep shooting and doing drills. You'll find your shot and figure out how to deliver it eventually. The second is the power of creating. It lies in that you're vulnerable and you choose to embark on this process. It shows you're brave enough to put it out there. You have the courage to share your work with the world and whether or not you quote unquote make it by the societal definition with millions of listens and views, you win the battle with yourself in doing so. 